Welcome to the Arizona State Football Insiders. I'm your host, Rob Penn, along with Wild Roque and J.R. Redman. Last week, we went out of Stillwater and took an L. Juan, what did you see about last week that we need to tune up going forward uh, into the season? Well, without question, when you see the game in, in different phases, the beginning, we could call the middle and the end. Beginning and the end were not bad, I have to admit. They were toe-to-toe -to -toe with Oklahoma State. I don't think that anyone that saw that game would say that Oklahoma State was superior to us talent-wise. We were matched pretty evenly well. It came down to the little things. It came down to blocking. It came down to tackling. And the most important thing and the biggest issue I saw was penalties. Guys, you can't be penalized 10 times for 95 yards and expect to win a football game. It's just not going to happen. To me, the turning point in this football game was in the second quarter. We had them second and 10 on the 50-yard line. Everything was clicking. Things were going good. All of a sudden, Joe Moore gets a roughing the passer that was so unnecessary, pushing the quarterback, Spencer Sanders, out of bounds. Flags go flying. Instead of third and 10 on the 50, guys, with the chance to get the ball back, now we're first and 10 on the 35. They scored three plays later. It's 14-3. The, the Cowboys did not look back after that. Penalties are critical because they usually come at the most wicked times in a football game. It is the most selfish thing you can do to – Get a penalty on the sideline. Guys, we've seen this time and time again. Everybody knows the flag's going to get thrown. No one's going to get away with it. But I will say this. If this team could figure that out, along with offensive line play, they have a shot at being decent. I'm not going to say they're going to be great, but they got a shot at being decent. But you can't have those breakdowns. You can't have your quarterback running for his life. You know, people were criticizing, why aren't they throwing more? Why isn't Emory Jones throwing the ball? Well, guys, when he's running with it for his life, every time he steps back to throw the football, and you got that number 89 breathing down his neck every time we're trying to run the ball or it's it's offensive line play. We've got to get that cleaned up. You got one last game before the real gauntlet starts in pack, the Pac-12 play. But overall, I think the effort was there at times, wasn't there at others. We expected the defense to carry the team. I feel they did to a point. But again, it's the little thing. Well, what I saw for the most part is they couldn't stay on the field. You know, so many three and outs. Opposed to Oklahoma State, you know, uh, man, they ran up, they ran up some yards last week. What do you think about that defense? I think Oklahoma State's defense definitely played like a top top eleven defense. Our defense, actually, when you look at the numbers, we on offense were, I believe, two of ten mm -hmm. uh, for third downs. Let me just double check that little number for you. We were two of thirteen, guys. You're not going to win a football game doing that. However, our defense held them to 6 of 15. That's 40%. An offensive barometer, usually you want over 45%. On paper, the defense held. They did their jobs when they were supposed to. But there's some other things that, that were problematic with our defense. One was the running back average 4.9 yards a carry. He had over 130 yards. Not going to win a football game doing that. So there's some good and bad. There's some things that we can take from this. But it's clear that ASU needs to clean it up offensively. they got to find a way to move those chains. Remember when we talked about the key to the game last week? I said they had to slow the tempo down. They had to get first downs. Give the ball to Validate. Give the ball to Ngata. Get those first, you know, first, you know, get into second and four, second and three. It didn't happen. We are in third and long a lot of the times. Again, converting only two of 13. But, yeah, we're still in the football game for the most part for a good two and a half quarters. So, yeah. if they can clean those things up again, they got a chance to be decent. You know, last week, uh, Oklahoma State appeared to just be more physical at the point of attack um, than Arizona State was. They had a grown man, and I mean a grown man, 
playing D tackle. They gave um gave ASU fits a lot of times on big downs. Um, one of the things that um, ASU has to get cleaned up offensively um, is third downs, right? Third down conversions. Um, through eight quarters, they're in a 20 percentile of third down conversion. So we got to pick that up. Um, I think uh, offensively, one of the, a couple of things we could have did, I, I do believe we did pretty good running the ball. We have great running backs, so we should continue to feed the ball, let those guys get going, let the guys uh, up front get downhill. Um, in the throwing game, though, I think we could have benefited some by taking advantage of the things that they struggled with the week before. The week before, you could see Oklahoma State struggle with crossing routes. They struggle with mesh concepts, high-low concepts, um, things of that nature. So when you get off into your, uh, your mesh concepts, we're talking shallow crosser. We're talking about dig. We're talking about post over that. We're talking about levels. Those things they seem to have problems with. Um, when the team that they were playing, uh, Central Michigan, um, ran those type of plays against them, people were running wide open all over the field. Also, as well as the high-low concepts, right? When you have your your hitch corner, right? You have your seam slant, right? You have things of that nature. Um, they struggle with those. And I think that we could have uh, probably implemented some of those in order to help us to see if they got it cleaned up. Because if they didn't get it cleaned up, you know, that means the bleeding is going to continue. Well, Okay, let's talk about uh, validate. Like I say, well, I saw a lot of spot, uh, spot plays, spot players, you know, splashes. You know, uh, Sole with, you know, eight tackles and an interception. You know, validate. He had the, those 21. Gerald Riggs just got finished, you know, speaking about running backs. They get that 25 to 30 uh, carries a game. You know, this guy just had 21 for 118. You know, so that means that we did have some good things going on in that offensive line also, you know. True, but there was also a lot of times when Valadie was getting hit at the line and he was able to break tackles. Let me tell you something about this young man. I'm impressed. I am super impressed with this kid's heart, with his ability to make chicken salad out of the chicken you-know-what, because there were several of those runs where it could have been for a loss or a gain of one or two, and this kid, he willed himself a first down on one of those carries. He had six people on top of him and got three more yards. Guys, when you have a running back like that, that ignites offenses. That will get people fired up. That'll get your offensive linemen fired up. But I also saw a lot of sloppy play. I saw Oklahoma State's defensive line in the backfield way too much. The third and two call to the boundary at number 89 is still – I scratched my head. Why would you run to that guy? That kid was eating us alive at both our tackle positions. They run at him on third and two to the boundary. Instead of a two-yard gain, we get a two-yard loss. Now it's fourth and four. We had to punt. Again, little things like that. So – I know the coaching staff. I know that they're preparing to win. I know they're going to they're gonna clean a lot of this up. It's going to come down to those fundamentals. But when you got a team like Eastern Michigan coming into town who's only averaging 2.9 yards a carry on, on, on the run game, and they're averaging 7.3 on the pass game, and they've given up, you know, four interceptions and six sacks, this is a prime time for your defense to get step up. For the Arizona State Football Insiders, We'd like to welcome former Arizona State Senator Gerald Riggs. How you doing, sir? I am wonderful, man. Good to see you and good to hear your voice again. Uh, love, uh, love getting able to reach out and connect and uh, keep uh, keep my name out there, at least with nothing else. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Your name still rings bells around here, that's for sure. Especially when we talk about the Magic 1981 season. You know, I want to know, mm-hmm. what is your most memorable about that season, Oh my gosh, man! I you know, I guess more than anything, I just think about the guys that I played with. Um, 
some of the coaches, some of the relationships that I've made, I, I, you know, some of the things as far as football is concerned, um, you know, they're, they're just, um, they're just, they're, they're so foggy in the past. You know, I've, I've done so much and I've uh, been through a lot. And uh, that's one of the things that, um, that I have been uh, really trying to, to emphasize with some of the players and guys that I play with about getting themselves uh, some care because we don't we don't oftentimes remember all those things that, that went on. Uh, it's, it's body at best, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in that category of, of trying to uh, you know constantly trying to have things to uh, to remind me of uh, some of the things that I've been through or have done. Uh, you know, I look at some old scrapbooks or pictures, and it'll bring some things back to memory. So uh, I'm sorry I couldn't answer your question to its fullest, but. Um, Mainly, uh, like I say, some of the, the, the coaches and players and people like that that I do remember. You know, Gerald, you're, you're, you're a legend, obviously, at Arizona State. I knew your name as a freshman coming in, 18-year-old kid in 1992. You made your mark on our university and, and its football program. As, as you've gone on with your life, and you ran for over 8,000 yards in the NFL. Obviously, like you said, you, you took a lot of hits. You, 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 you pounded your way through the league for those 10 seasons. What is diff- What was different about the running back position then, as you see it today? Anything that you can lend some insight on? Because, like you said, you're now dealing with a lot of the after effects. What What is it you see today that's evolved, or that's better, or that's maybe even worse when you look at running backs now compared to back when you played? Uh, I, I just I think that a lot of the running backs during my era were uh, we had to be called full service backs. Mm-hmm. We didn't come off the field oftentimes when it came to, you know, different play sets or different uh, formations or whatnot. We had to do all of, we had to, we had to, had to run the ball. We had to, to block, uh, stay in on pass coverages. Uh, and then we had to run out and catch passes. So we were full service backs. We, uh, we, we did it all. It, it wasn't a team full of, you know, specialty guys. Um, if you were especially guy as far as a running back is concerned, you would basically run a kickoff, so maybe catching a punt or something. But otherwise, um, in order to be in the backfield uh, at that level and play for any length of time, you better be able to do it all at, at one time. What would you say your biggest strength is? Obviously, you were a power runner. You ran mm-hmm. people over. You you bulldozed your way through that line of scrimmage. I saw some of your highlights where once once you hit that gap and you get in that second level, you were looking to knock someone on the on the rear end. It, it, and that style of play is it how is it so much different from today? What what is it that you see that's that's changed in the game that went from a running back, like you said, full service back, physical, strong, to what we're seeing today? Um well, uh, you know, first of all, you know, I think my biggest asset was that I had the uh, I had the opportunity to play both positions, tail and fullback. Uh, most guys just come out and they just, you know, they're 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 you know pretty much uh uh, relegated to being one. Uh, it's just, uh, they want to say they're just a running back. But we, you know, would have an opportunity to be a fullback and being that guy right up in the action and uh, understanding the blocking, understanding how quick the holes open up and close. Uh, and, you know, the different angles that I had to go at as a fullback uh, really helped me out tremendously when I went back to tailback as I was a tailback coming into in college. Uh, and then Frank Cush made me a fullback. And then I went to back to uh, basically running back when I got to the NFL. I, I think the, the thing that that's most um, um, missed about, you know, some of these guys now is that um, there's really no, how can I say it, the, the bell cow back. Uh, 
you know, the guy that, uh, you know, just going to take the ball and run 35 to 40 times if need be. Um, you know, it's almost kind of like they're on a, a, a snap count or something. You know, it's like, hey, when you get about 25 times, you know, let's let's start getting the ball in the air. Let's let's throw the ball around some. We don't want to wear our guy down. They, they didn't care about us being worn down. We we had to be out there and wear it down. We had to carry that ball, you know, 30 plus times a game. And you don't see guys doing that very often, very, very few times. Uh, if you watch any game throughout the season, we you see a guy get up uh, that high 25, 30 plus times uh, carrying the ball. So maybe it's because of the, uh, I, I think, and I'm not going to, you know, it's no disrespect to the guys, the you know, by saying that the quality of back is not the same in terms of the durability. Uh, I don't think that sometimes often uh, guys get that opportunity to show how durable they are because they, you know, they, they're so, everything is so much uh, predicated around the, the passing game uh, and uh, stretching the field and uh, trying to either score quick uh, or whatever it is. There's no, like I say, that running back that, uh, you know, the, the clock back, you know, it's like giving the ball, let's run the clock. Let's, you know, keep things going, you know, offensive line, let's fire off the ball. Uh, too oftentimes I think the offensive lines uh, kind of, uh, they get too used to backing up mm-hmm. because of pass sets and not really getting that opportunity to run the ball like they like they want to. So, you know, obviously I, I have a lot of memories about what brought me to Arizona State. And, you know, you're at a Bonanza High School in Las Vegas, but originally from Tulos, Louisiana. Tulula. Right? Uh-huh. Cajun, right? A raging Cajun. So what, what, what do you remember about 18-year-old Gerald Riggs? You know, you were recruited by Frank Cush. And, and mm-hmm. to me, that's that speaks for itself, that Coach Cush came – and recruited Gerald Riggs out of Bonanza High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. Do, do you have any specific memories of what made you become a Sun Devil, Gerald? What, what was it that was about Cushion ASU that drew you in? Well, we were um, fortunate to be able to, we were, you know, been there in Las Vegas. We were, we weren't getting, well, shit, we got, at the time, it was a Pacific 8. We got, you know, those UCLA, USC games. Uh, but we got a lot of WAC games uh, at the time, and Arizona State and University of Arizona were in the WAC conference. Uh, and we, I, I watched that program for a couple of years actually uh, in high school, and not really. Um, probably at the time, eighteen, I was looking for to doing some other things, I guess, in life. But um, when I when I realized that I had the ability to go in and play football in college. And then the, the recruits, the recruiters started to come, uh, you know, and that was a, a big deal. But when Frank Cush came to my 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 house, I spoke to my mom and 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 uh, talked about the program and and what he was all about. And, and understand, it, it was uh, you heard all of the all of the, the things about him, how tough he was, and how how brutal a coach he could be. And but at the same time, it was something that uh, I really felt at the time at eighteen. I needed that. I, I needed a, some, a, a stronger figure, a stronger male figure uh, in my life to come along and, and, uh, and really um, coach me and help me understand it. Because I really, at that time, uh, at 18, only played really one year of football. Uh, so it was all still new. Uh, so I was still kind of like that um, that uh, that whitewashed board that needed to be um, cultivated and, and taught and uh, and brought along in a way in which you know I could understand the game and and uh, even from a from a mental standpoint, uh, it it was a it was a big big factor in my life to to be in a program where uh, that discipline and structure was uh, was probably the main thing that. 
that uh, that brought me there along with Frank Cush because he, as he told my mother at the time, yeah, you've seen me be hard on some guys, uh, but I, you know, I'm only going to be on hard as him, uh, harder on Gerald as he is himself in terms of me learning or not learning or or being difficult to uh, to coach. And I was coachable at the time, so I, we didn't have any. How problems. about that? Uh- uh, first cab taught his owner, you know, I, I was fortunate yeah. enough to go up, up the mountain. W- yeah. What, what, what was that? Your, what was your first oh, camp like up there when you get all the veterans and realize, Oh, I'm in division one football now. Yeah, man. I tell you what, when I came <laughs> in there and, uh, uh, I'll never forget, uh, Mark Malone was our quarterback and I was in on a, my first uh, opportunity to get in on uh, on a play. And it was that first week of camp to Arizona there. And, uh, I missed a block, got Mark, just totally smashed. And uh, Frank Kirsch came up to me after practice and he said, he just looked at me and said, Riggs, you're going up the mountain after that. You're not going to miss that block again. So you're going to go up the mountain after practice. And I stood there and I looked all the way up that trail. <laughs> I said, Oh my God, this is, this was going to be like the next four years. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but uh, as it, as it went, I was in on the, I think we called that play a couple more times in practice, and he made sure that I was in there at the time uh, on the when the play was called. And I never missed another block again. And I never, uh, he, after practice, he came up to me. He said, "You know what? You know that you were in that on that same play. We ran that play a few more times." And I'm like, "Yes, sir, we did." And he's like, "Well, you did good. Uh, so don't worry about going up the mountain today." Not, you know, just today. It was almost like to say that, yeah, just today. It was almost like to say, you know what, yeah, you, you're going to have another chance, but but just not today. And, and that was it. And I, as a matter of fact, uh, heck, I, I came in and um, I, I, I got a chance to play and start. And um, from that point on, I never lost my position the rest of the time I played football. Well, one last thing about Tanizona, because uh, obviously this is what I would now call Sun Devil lore, Gerald. Mm-hmm. Tell us about them three days, because this is something people you usually bring up about Coach Kush, but I, I've never had a chance to actually ask a former Kush player. Were there three days? Was it real three, really three actual practices, or, or how did uh, that break down? News, news flash, there was no folklore. <laughs> okay, it was it was it was three practices <laughs> a day, and uh, we were did practice. Well, you know, they weren't all the they weren't all in pads. You know, the, the morning part, morning practice was was pretty uh, pretty brutal and tough. You know, getting straight about the bed and going out there on the field, practicing on the field in the in the in the, in the, the cow pies and all that stuff. Um, but then, uh, you know, the afternoon practices were uh, mainly uh, geared around a little passing. It uh, wasn't as much hitting going on. Uh, it was kind of like the uh, the prelude to the to the evening practice, and the evening practices were it was pretty much all hands on deck. It was uh, it was very you know physical practice, uh, and that's that's the way it was. But yeah, we did have three practices a day, every single day up there for a couple of weeks. Yeah, because nowadays they don't even do two days of work. See, I did two. They don't days. even. You know. guys did three days. Now yeah. they yeah. they only go up for one day. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I laugh. I really do. I laugh because these guys here, you know, they 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 only have uh, what three preseason games now. I think it is, uh, and then uh, I look at practice and practices where they're only allowed to hit so many days a week, uh, like one or two, uh, and even a training camp. It's like every uh, what is it every fourth or fifth practice they can hit. They can, you know, the otherwise they're just running around in shorts and, and you know, and tagging each other and all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I can understand, you know, the, you know, the, the, the factor of, uh, uh, you know, you want to try to, you, can, you say you want to have these guys uh, last longer and not go through any, you know, the, the different 
concussion protocols or having things like happen or, or, or crazy injuries. But to me, in reality, that that means that these guys are not conditioned enough to, to, to take on the hitting. There's going to be a lot more injuries um, because these guys are not really uh, they're just not in shape for it, for it right away. Even if they go through a training camp, um, our day of playing and, and certainly back in the 80s and, and 70s and you know, guys a little before me, uh, training camps were, were tough for a reason. Uh, and they were, they were they were to prepare you for to go through a very difficult campaign coming up in, in the next season, and and even if you were you know nicked up or hurt or whatnot, guys always made it back. You know, uh, unless it was something you know of a serious nature, broken bone or something, or torn ligaments or whatever. But you didn't see as many right. as you do nowadays, though. Uh, and I, you know, go figure you know what that is when these guys have so much at their disposal. Uh, the, the training facilities, the training programs, the trainers, um, the masseuse, the, all of these things, whatever they got, everything at their uh, their disposal, and they're still getting they're getting hurt a lot more than we did. I really appreciate you taking out the time to come to the one man and share your thoughts with us. Thank you. Yeah, and Joe, from a from a young guy that uh, came in after you did, just know that uh, you set one hell of a foundation for us, and hopefully, we were able to live up to that. Uh, when we played, because uh, guys like you are literally the heart and soul of ASU football and the, the, what, what what you guys established in those late 70s, early 80s, for us to be able to carry that torch and pass it on. Um, you, you're, you're like a, a big brother to me, man. We're, we're family, and thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure, to guys, and I look forward to, you know, doing it again. Just give me a call anytime you guys want to do something or, or something comes up. We can uh, talk about and have a little fun with too, because I, I still right. can cut up with the best up. So, forks up, baby. Yes, sir. See you guys, baby. Forks up. So going forward, Eastern Michigan, pretty much a tune-up game. What exactly do they need to tune up? What do you see? I think that they need to go and dominate this football game. Period. On the defensive yeah. line, they need to find that pass rush. They had zero sacks last week. They had four quarterback curries. I don't even know what the hell quarterback curry is anymore, guys. They keep stats on the weirdest things. What the hell is the QBH? I don't know. You, you made them throw faster? What, what, what was the deal? But anyway, yeah. they had four quarterback curries, but they had zero sacks. We never threatened Sanders the whole time he was in the pocket. Eastern Michigan has given up six sacks. So this is the opportunity for these D linemen to get in there, get, 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 get cut their teeth, get to that quarterback. Our linebackers have a chance to make some tackles. Again, 2.9 yards a rush. What is that telling us? That Coach Hendo – can pretty much sit back in coverage when they're only averaging 7.3 yards and get that front six, front seven, get them cranking, get them to move these Eagles backwards. And offensively, I'm going to say the same thing I said last week. Move the chains. Get into the second and short, second and three, second and four. How do you do that? Give the ball to validate. Let him eat it up. Let him, let him get going. Open up that play-action game. Get, get a little bit more protection for Emory Jones. And find five offensive linemen that are consistently going to block. If we can block for Jones, if they can keep that kid upright, they're going to be just fine. If he's running for his life every time he goes back to pass, it's going to be a long season because we haven't even started to touch the talented defenses we're going to face yet. They are ready. The keys to victory. I think this week, ASU has definitely got to mix it up, um, but definitely have to run the ball. We have to run the ball. We have to establish the run. We got some good running backs. Um, and they do a good job of sticking their foot in the ground, getting north and south, and getting the yards that are there to get, as well as fighting to get those extra yards when they can. So we definitely can't abandon the run game. Um, I think uh, run after catch in a passing game and in a run game is going to be huge. 
Uh, we're dealing with a defense that is not a great tackling defense. Uh, they missed a lot of tackles in a previous game, um, which caused first downs and even touchdowns. So um, we definitely will rack up a lot of yak, yak yards this week, yards after contact, both the running backs as well as the receivers. Defensively, I think we should be able to shut down a run game. Uh, we have a great set of linebackers, read, react, and tackle. Uh, they play sideline to sideline. can get downhill as well as cover. Um, and they're pretty good tacklers. Um, so I believe from a run game standpoint, defensively, we'll be fine. We'll hold up. Uh, we got to find a way to get pressure. We got to find a way to get pressure in a passing game. We have to create hurries. Um, we have to discombobulate the quarterback. We can't let him just sit there and sit on the mark. Because um, if he does, he will deliver some balls. He throws a pretty good ball. He has a couple good wide receivers. Uh, one in particular, number four, Badu. That guy's vicious. He gets it done. Um, he can his run after catch. If you don't tackle him, I don't mean hit him. I don't mean sling him around. You have to tackle him because he will put that foot in the ground and he will get up out of there if he can. If you don't get that guy on the ground, get those knees down, he's going to go. And he's going to go to the house. Um, he catches the ball when he's covered and blanking coverage. He's a smaller guy, but he finds a way to come down with the ball. He's, he's a really good athlete, um, talented wide receiver, so we can't take him for granted. Really got to bottle him up. So from a special teams perspective, we got to find a way to make a play. We got to find a way to make a play. Um, they had a big return um, against them, go against them uh, last week and special teams. And you know what, to be honest with you, it wasn't anything flashy. The guy got the ball and all he did was take off and run. Um, and you know, we definitely got guys that are capable of doing that. So we should look to have a big player two in the special teams. You know, if we can get those guys going, get them running, get them moving, the lanes are there and they're not a very fast team. Um, and as well, it's not a good tackling team. So we should have a, a good performance in special teams, punt returns and kick returns. God willing. So offensively, we definitely have to run the ball. Um, and we got to get the ball out of our hands when we are throwing the ball. Let's get it to the open areas. There's a lot of holes in the zone that they run, and they are not great tacklers. So we should be able to prosper run after catch. Defensively, let's bottle up the run. And we just got to contain them before. We should be decent. Those are my keys. So this week is definitely a statement game. Get back on track. Get everything moving. Get these players' confidence back up. Give them a really wreck shop and get on people's minds here in the Pac-12. So, Juan, before we get out of here, do you have anything you want to say? I just think that this season is going to be a labor of love. I think that we're going to see a lot of things that uh, we didn't see before talent-wise, hopefully offensive execution, defensive execution. But it's going to come down to finding the right chemistry, finding the right personnel and I think they're they're not there yet. I think that last week platooning tackles and a lot a lot of rotation in that offensive line. If they could get that settled down with the talent we have in the backfield right now with Emory Jones and Zavian Valade and Daniel Nangata, you know, then we got to find the receivers. You know, we, we got to find dependable guys that we can stretch the field. We got all the tools in place. Now we just got to build the house. Um, that's kind of mouthful when you got one game left before a gauntlet of Utah USC. And you dub, but hey, like we were taught, one at a time. Let's take care of EMU, and then we'll see where we go from there. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Go Devils. Go Devils. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.